Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Friday afternoon and the last Friday before the college football playoff and all of the important bowl games, really this. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you all afternoon long. Richard Cross is off today. He'll be back Monday. Brian Scott Rippey will join us on the phone a little bit later on today. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. It's good to be with you on this Friday afternoon. Hey, Dad, what's up? Not a whole lot, man. Ready to get through this, these last few hours, and then I'll start uh, making travel arrangements and getting out of town. It's exciting. Yeah. I got a little work to do tomorrow. I got MSU basketball tomorrow uh, at the hump, 11 a.m., but I'll cover that, and then I'll be on my way. Uh, I just want to know if you can you hear this? Can you? There, there's a noise. Can you hear that? I hear that. Yeah. What is that noise? It's the Auburn hype train. The off-season <laughs> Auburn hype train is coming. So it begins. So it begins, whether you like it or not, friends. Auburn who just went 7-5, and five, was largely not competitive against everybody that w- had a pulse on their schedule, is now going to be the offseason national champion. They're beating Purdue right now, and I, I'm not going to lie. This is pretty impressive. They're beating Purdue 63-14, to 14, about five minutes to go in the third quarter in the Music City Bowl. Still plenty of time. Yeah, still plenty of time for for, Purdue to get back in this game. (laughs) But the point is, and you know this is coming. You absolutely know this is coming. They're losing their quarterback. They're losing everybody else. But the Auburn hype train is coming. I promise you, even though they had boosters try to come up with $40 million to fire Gus Malzahn after a five-loss season, a year after a four-loss season, Auburn is going to be a top 15 or top 10 team going into next football season because of this game and because of this game only. Watch, because it's happening, no doubt. Shouldn't Gus Malzahn be fired for not naming Gus Malzahn the offensive coordinator this whole time? Yeah, I mean, you would would think so, but why did it take you until the end of the season to allocate play calling duties to yourself. That, that's what I'm saying. You know, you, if you're the so head coach, coaches, yeah, at, at least with Moorhead, you got to respect the fact that he's like, I'm calling the plays. You know, there's not this charade of, Oh, well, he's the offensive coordinator. Mullen was the same way too. Mullen was calling the plays and you know, the, the coordinators were just sort of there in name alone. Everybody knew Mullen was calling the plays and so many coaches, you know, they, they, who come from offensive backgrounds, they want to turn play calling over to somebody. You know, eliminate the middleman. Call the plays. 
Yeah, if you really feel like you're the best person for that job, do it. But they've still got so many problems, and they have to replace a quarterback now, and a bunch of pieces, really. That's not going to stop the sports media Auburn hype train 2019. Auburn can compete with Alabama next year. Oh, yeah, they can. Did you see them in the Music City Bowl? Gus That's figured taste. it out. He figured it out, yeah. Lost LSU two years in a row, but sure, no problem. <laughs> I mean, yes, congratulations. They beat Alabama last year, but look, then what happened? Yeah, but then. The most, I think we said this yesterday, the most useless wins over top 10 teams of all time. Auburn's beating of Alabama and Georgia a year ago. A lot of meaningless wins last year. They had the meaningless miracle, and then you had that. A whole lot coming up your way this afternoon. We got some clarity. We've been talking about it for a couple days now, uh, about Drew Brees and his status for the Saints on Sunday. No, he's not injured, but uh, as it turns out, he is not going to play in the game. Teddy Bridgewater is going to start for New Orleans on Sunday. We'll give you an entire rundown of the NFL action this weekend. What is on the line in each game that actually matters? There's a handful that uh, are two teams that are just playing for paychecks because nothing is on the line. They've been eliminated from the playoffs, but we'll give you a an in-depth look on what's on the line in every game in the NFL this weekend. We will give our picks for every game in the SC, or involving SEC teams as well as the college football playoff games that are tomorrow, believe it or not. Uh, we will discuss something that I've noticed in the baseball world, and it's come up recently. I'll, I'll get your quick thoughts on this, hey, Dad. Mm. About the Hall of Fame ballots, you have baseball writers that are awarded that kind of opportunity, which is something that I'll never write baseball, but I would like to be a Heisman voter or something one day. I feel like I would take that really seriously are releasing their Hall of Fame ballots, and a lot of them are excluding Barry Bonds, who's on there, Sammy Sosa, who's on there. Do you think that the players that have been implicated in performance-enhancing drugs in that era of baseball should be admitted to the Hall of Fame? Yes. Yes, I think they should, and they should just give it a wing and call it the steroid era, you know, and make it clear that, hey, during this time, players were taking advantages of loopholes and rules or whatever it was, but... But at that same time, they were the best players. Because you're going to take out a whole era of baseball, a whole decade. Some of the greatest players, Bonds, Clemens, A-Rod. I mean, the, these guys were great baseball players. And they would have been great baseball players if steroids had never been invented. But, yeah, I, I think those guys belong in. Uh, no no question about it. And Bonds, Bonds had a Hall of Fame career before he got to... To got to the to the to the big headed era of his time. So I mean, he 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 was he was already a great player. Clemens was a great player and a Hall of Famer before any of these allegations. So yeah, I would put them in. And and like I said I would just you know give it an asterisk or whatever you want, but just put it up there and say, look, these guys played in an era of baseball that was different. It, to me, it's no different than you know you played in an era of baseball where there weren't African American players, or you played in the dead ball era. I mean, baseball just has these eras where where things are just different on the field for one reason or the other. Yeah, Babe Ruth wasn't hitting 92-mile-an-hour sliders back in his day. Right. That doesn't take away from his greatness. Not at all. That doesn't take away from his legend and his legacy, but it's just different. And and Bonds is the same way. Bonds, you know, yeah. Did he take steroids? I mean, you'll never, you'll never admit it, but I think we all can agree that he probably did. 
But that doesn't take away from the fact that he's still a great hitter and one of the best hitters in baseball, and and the all time he is the all time home run leader. Now, I, if you want to argue with me that it's Hank Aaron, you can have that argument. That's fine. I don't really want to go too far down that road. But at the end of the day, the baseball's all time home run leader is not in the Hall of Fame for 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 reasons beyond what he did on the field. And the hit leader is also not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree sports, with that. I don't agree man. with that either. I think I think Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, right? as long as it, it's never been proven that he did not bet on games in which his performance directly affected a negative outcome. Even right. if you bet on yourself to win, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I agree. Whatever, that's fine. It incentivizes you to play harder. I'm with you. We'll get into that a little bit later on this afternoon. Clemson got some bad news on their B sample performance enhancing drug. Uh, testing Dexter Lawrence is out of out for the game tomorrow has been suspended yeah. as well as a couple other players for Clemson uh, Dabo Sweeney had some interesting comments on that he still believes in his players in fact everybody involved with Clemson is emphatically speaking out that they did not purposefully take this banned substance and they're going to fight against this Dabo Sweeney's even calling for reform and the way we approach or I say we, the way the NCAA approaches their drug testing policy. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. We've got an interview uh, that Hey Dad did earlier on with uh, an Iowa beat writer to preview Mississippi State and Iowa. That goes on Tuesday of next week. So a loaded show for you this afternoon. But I am still blown away at what Auburn's been able to do against Purdue this afternoon. Uh, What does it say more, though? More about Auburn or more about Purdue in the Big Ten? More, I think it, it's an indictment on Purdue in the Big Ten. Because let's let's. I know you're going to enjoy hearing this, but let's not forget Purdue beat Ohio State by 29 <laughs> points, and it wasn't they even that close, them. right? And now they and Ohio State thought they had a case to be in the playoff, and here's Purdue getting rolled by what is, by all accounts, from people who watched them play this year, a, and a very average Auburn team. Oh, by the way, Purdue beat Iowa, if you're a Mississippi State fan and you're looking forward to that. Some transitive property for you. I love being some transitive property when it comes to college football. So, yeah, I mean, God, the Big Ten, is just they're just not great. I really did think, I thought, I've been thinking for weeks that Michigan was going to beat Florida, but watching this it makes me think maybe Florida's just going to roll them because maybe the Big Ten is just not any good this year. Well, and athletically across the board, the SEC has more of them than the average. The average SEC team has more athletes than the average Big Ten team. They just do. Correct. From a record standpoint, even though they have the number one defense in the country, Mississippi State was an average SEC West team, right? Eight and four. Yes, very average, yeah. They have more athletes on that defense than Iowa has seen combined all season long. Yeah. Yeah, easily. We'll get into that a little bit later on today as well. But next, we've got a mock draft for you. Uh, SB Nation Ooh. released their latest mock draft today. They left Justin Herbert in there just for just for fun. But you got four Mississippians, or at least guys from Mississippi colleges in that list. We'll tell you where they are and who they're going to go to, according to SB Nation. That's next at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Auburn had their first punt of the Music City Bowl with about three minutes to go, four minutes to go in the third quarter. They're still leading 63-14 to over Purdue. West Virginia and Syracuse will get kicked off here in about an hour. 
in the Camping World Bowl. That's in Orlando. And then the nightcap tonight is Iowa State and Washington State in the Alamo Bowl. There, uh, it's a game I've been to. Unique venue there in San Antonio. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I like the way instead of making stands circular because it puts the fans further away from the field, just the way they they block the inside of a dome instead of making it circular. Anyway, it just puts the fans closer, more on top of the field, the way they built it uh, there, rather than some other domes you'll see. Mississippi's own Gardner Minshew, final game as a collegian in that one. Yeah, last shot to prove uh, his worth to NFL scouts. And on that note, we've got a mock draft from SB Nation here, and, and you'll see a lot of these in the upcoming weeks, and a lot of them are going to be quite different. The the thing, The good thing about these is, though, it tells you where... The players from your school, or if you're an NFL fan, the the kind of player that they're targeting. So no, this is not going to be how the draft goes down in late April. But it's a good gauge of what most experts in the field think is going to happen. So uh, we'll run through it quickly and then talk about the Mississippi guys as we go. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals with a loss will seal that number one spot this weekend. Nick Bosa at Ohio State. Number two, Oakland. Josh Allen, the outside linebacker slash defensive end at Kentucky. My question so you, there... You traded, you traded Khalil Mack to get Khalil Mack light. Right. So, yeah, the contract for Khalil Mack was going to be much more expensive than the rookie deal you're going to get for Josh Allen. But uh, further down on this list, by the way, they draft a receiver. So they got rid of Amari Cooper, yeah. and yeah. they got rid of Khalil Mack to draft a defensive end in a wide receiver. I used to play Madden that way. I would dump big contracts and then go and find, uh, just try to pile up draft choices. And yeah, because you knew Madden. you controlled them. They were going to play. They were going to be the best players exactly. on the field anyway. But yeah. I mean, maybe they're doing but, it for but a that's financial a video reason. game, and this is real life. <laughs> so that's the Raiders are going to trade off their best wide receiver in the NFL's best defensive end to draft a wide receiver and a defensive end. Unknown commodities doesn't make any sense to me. Greedy Williams apparently going third, at least projected, uh, to San Francisco. Jonah Williams, the Alabama offensive tackle, heading to Detroit. Uh, Excuse me, to New York. uh, Quentin Williams of Alabama, shocker there, going to Detroit. And then Greg Little, all the way up to number six in Tampa, who desperately needs offensive line help. The left tackle, potentially, of the future there in Tampa, according to SB Nation. Have two Ole Miss left tackles in the state of Florida. With him and Tunsil. Sidebar here, speaking of the NFL. Yeah. Mississippi colleges had two of the biggest Pro Bowl snubs, maybe in recent history. Chris, what, Jones, and Chris Jones just broke a record for consecutive sacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And Laramie Tunsil has given up one sack as a left tackle all season long. What would happen if they played each other? <laughs> that would be a heck of a battle, but. Yeah. I, I mean, how can. It's, it's, that's ridiculous. You know, T- Tunsil, probably he's in the top three left tackles in the league. Leaving him out is ridiculous. Chris Jones has 15 sacks as a defensive tackle and isn't going to go to the Pro Bowl. I mean, they'll both end up going in because the players who play in the Super Bowl and the players who, you know, things like that, they'll, they'll find some room for him. But, yeah, it's just silly. It is silly that neither one of those guys is in. Uh, right after Little at six is DK Metcalf going to Buffalo at seven. Yeah, he shot up some draft boards. He doesn't have the the production, but it's the physical yep. gifts he has. 
he's going to test so well if, if healthy. Yeah. And yeah. That'll be the end of it. Uh, Rashawn Gary, a former number one overall pick, uh, according mm-hmm. to SB Nation, is going to go number eight to the Giants, which they're going to keep Eli Manning and they're going to get some defensive line help uh, for the immediate future there in New York. Dwayne Haskins, first quarterback off the board, according to them, going to Jacksonville. Sure. That's fine. I, well, I mean, I'm just not that. I mean, Haskins has had the one great great season. I'm, I'm just always leery of that, you know? I'm always leery of those guys. They, they had a great year, but, you know, for me, I want to see, you know, a few years of production at the quarterback position. So maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. If I'm a Jags fan, I would rather them trade for Nick Mullins than yeah. Yeah. get Dwayne Haskins. I mean, if you're going to use your first up, round pick I wouldn't on give Dwayne up this Haskins, pick either. Yeah. I mean, you might as well try to go get Nick Mullins. I, I just, if you're picking your quarterback of the future, I, I don't know if. Haskins, who's been a one-year starter at Ohio State, is yeah. the you're, guy you're, that you... You're going big-time potential, big-time ceiling here. We'll use some some draft terms. At the Oliver, ceiling is high on, on Dwayne Haskins. For sure. Ed Oliver, uh, number 10 to Atlanta, the defensive tackle from Houston. Jeffrey Simmons, the first Mississippi State guy to appear in this projection, going to Carolina, which would be a great pick for them at number 11. That would be a... Yeah, that, you talk about it filling a need. <laughs> Do they ever need some... Some help up the middle, and Jeffrey Simmons keeping blockers off of Luke Keekley. Woo! That's they still that's, play that's, Julius that's Peppers there at Carolina. Yeah, that, that's trouble for some 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 teams, not the Saints, but other teams. And they left this in there on purpose. A story from earlier in the week that if you were listening to the show, you heard Justin Herbert has decided to stay at Oregon. They left this in there on purpose just to show where he would have gone in their opinion. Number fifteen to Miami, if he would have come out according to them. Would have been a mid first round pick. He hates the city of Miami, though. He told me this in an exclusive interview uh, that he just he, he hated Miami Vice and he just did not want to play there. So yeah, I, I couldn't imagine being a 22 year old with millions of dollars living in Miami. <laughs> in Miami, uh, that would be terrible. Just the worst. Drew Lockett, in Missouri, uh, to Washington at 16. I guess they're not anticipating Alex Smith to be back anytime soon, and they need a quarterback, and Drew Locke, a first-rounder. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably going to happen. I believe that. Skipping a few will go down to... You skipped one that was important, number 14, and that's Montez oh, Sweat going yes, to the I Green did. Bay Excuse Packers. Excuse me, yeah. Mont- that... If you're the Packers, do you do you want a defensive end though? Do you need a defensive end? I, I, I think you got to you got to do more with Rodgers there. I don't, I don't know if that's the right pick, but we'll see. But that that just goes to show what Montez Sweat has. Yeah, I mean, he went from an unknown going into two seasons ago. Nobody in college football had any clue who that kid was. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. Now he shot now up draft boards to a top right. fifteen yeah. pick. Pretty uh, remarkable trajectory there. So I'm, I, you know, I don't know how many more of these you wanted to do, but just looking at this list. What I'm what I'm struck by is not who's on the list, but one guy who's not on the list. AJ Brown, not a first round pick. Yeah, and I've seen that in more than one place now. What's what's happened there that's that's dropped him? Do you think? I don't know. I, I've read a couple of draft profiles, and and one guy suggested that there's potentially a, a lack of. NFL route tree knowledge that could contribute to that. I I don't know how much that would actually play into it. 
I mean, yeah, but but if that's the case, are we saying that DK Metcalf's physical skills are so great that we're going to overlook that there, but we're not going to look at the production of A.J. Brown? Do you think Laquan Treadwell's lack of success maybe has played into that a little bit? And he was never the same after the injury. I, I would... I would argue that Brown had a higher upside than Treadwell did coming out. I would agree with that. He's got more speed. He's better in the open field. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I agree with both of those statements. AJ Brown has always been sort of like a running back playing wide receiver to me. Not not from a size perspective, but he just he has an innate ability to make people miss in the open field. I don't know. It's sort of uncanny. So, and then from the MSU side, you know. I mean, I think that Abram and Jenkins are sort of marginal first-round picks. It just depends on who's doing the mock. or It could end up being a situation where if a team just has a dire need at safety or at uh, center between now and then, they could shoot up in there. But I think both of those guys are going to end up being second-round picks. Which is just fine. If A.J. Brown falls to the second round, whoever needs a receiver got a steal at that position in the draft. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For Probably sure. same any, thing any with Abram, guys. too. All, all three of those guys are going to be future longtime pros, in my opinion. You know, whoever gets them is going. You're, you're, the steal is the right word for for sure. No, no Saints on here, of course. No first round pick for them. They, uh, they traded that yeah, away. They better win now. That, that, this this whole this this whole plan has gotten us to this point. They have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The plan is working. We'll see if it the the ultimate goal is achieved. What is it, one pick in the first four rounds next year, and that's a second rounder? I think that's correct, yes. They better win now. <laughs> I mean, they've drafted so well, too. I know they've had to make moves like they had to get. I don't know if they had to get Marcus Davenport, but they needed pass rush. You've just drafted yeah. so well lately. Giving up picks is not that, something you needed to do the draft to acquire from two talent. seasons ago, getting Lattimore and Ramchick and all those guys. That, that that you you got basically an extra draft because normally in a draft you think a couple guys pan out great you got like four or five guys that panned out in that draft. Anzalone so, wasn't he in that draft? Anzalone's in that draft, yes. So's uh, Marcus Williams and Alvin Kamara. Yes, Kamara. I, I leave him out. Yeah. We'll join up with Rippy next. Uh, update on the Ole Miss offensive coordinator search. The Rebel Hoops team has a game tomorrow night and a whole lot more coming your way at Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Good Friday afternoon on Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you. Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. And a couple ways you can be a part of the show this afternoon. You can text us, 601-879-4395. That's a ceasefire text line. Please do not text and drive. We want you to be a part of the show. We just want you to be a part of the show safely. Or you can tweet at us, at Sports Talk Miss. And as we bring Brian Scott Rippey into the conversation... Uh, Chad, I don't know if you were listening a second ago, Rippy, but we uh, we saw a projection from SB Nation for the draft, and A.J. Brown was not listed in the first round. And, and Chad tweets in and says, from his understanding, uh, from listening to draft gurus, Brown has dropped, or at least perceived to have dropped, because of his lack of production when he was moved from slot to outside receiver. And, and there's merit to that, but I, I will counter with this, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it, Rippy. The simplicity of the offense that Ole Miss ran last year made it very difficult on outside receivers to do much of anything other than beat lesser defensive backs on deep balls. Is that fair? 
Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the the chasing space philosophy is not really conducive to, you know, running sharp routes and, and doing some of the things that outside receivers do. I'm not so necessarily sure if by the fact that he, you know, he moved outside on a whim out of necessity, and he started his career as an outside receiver, so it's not like he can't do it. And I'm not even sure the production numbers even necessarily directly correlate to him moving outside. I just, I, It seems to me from what I've read and kind of looked at it, I'm part of the draft expert, it just seems that that Lodge and Metcalf may may test better than than Brown, and I think that may be it more than anything. I don't know if you agree with that or not. And, and I guess we'll find out. That I don't mean to pile on, and I don't think we are. It's just the, the reality of the situation. I have read so much about the Ole Miss wide receivers in their draft status and where these experts think they're going to go, and there is a lot. I mean, a lot of negative reaction to the way just the entire offense for Ole Miss and the route tree, if it existed, and the the philosophy on offense for Ole Miss last year in the passing game is being ripped to shreds by these draft experts, and it's no wonder that Phil Longo was kind of encouraged to go elsewhere. I mean, yeah, it's not something that's going to, I mean, it's not a system that obviously is going to translate to the NFL. And, you know, that's not necessarily breaking any news, but at the same time, I mean, once they see Metcalf at the Combine and Lodge at the Combine, and even Brown to some degree at the Combine and Camp and at Pro Day and other things like that, I mean, you know, they can make plays and they can go do things that most college receivers can, and there's going to be, you know, attraction to them because of that. I think I'm. The, the guy with the biggest upside in terms of going to the combine. I think once they see DK Metcalf at the combine, barring you know him not being fully healthy, I think that's going to shoot him up. And, but yeah, to your point, to your point, you know it, it's 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 warranted criticism, right? Because you know there there were times where it just kind of didn't really look like you know they were running routes and things like that. Because you have the chasing space thing where you have the short and intermediate and long space, and so you know. You're going to have some of that. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, not to pile on, but I think that criticism is warranted. And I don't know if you guys talked about it yesterday because I didn't catch the first half of the show, but with Dawson Knox, where is he being projected right now? It's a wide range. I mean, there's no obviously you have the the Iowa tight ends and a couple others. It's just it, he'll be a guy that'll be interesting to see kind of how he tests at, at, at his pro day and things like that because, I mean, he is an athletic freak and he was – you're drastically underused in the offense. So I, I don't know. I think there's a wide range of, of where people fall on him. You know, there's a lot of people that think he probably should have come back. And, you know, I would imagine if he had come back, he would have certainly been used by the new offensive coordinator in the offense or whoever that may be, because I don't think it'd be any possible to use a guy with that kind of athleticism and, and really blocking ability well as I mean, less. I mean, I don't think it's possible. And so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see kind of where he lands will be kind of one of the more fascinating storylines as far as Ole Miss is related to, to the draft in general. And they lose Greg Little, who's a basically consensus first-rounder. And what, four starters off that offensive line, depending on what game you looked at, except for one, Alex Givens. I guess there was a thought that maybe he could leave and, and enter the draft early. I assume he got some kind of draft grade from somebody and has decided to stay in school. Is that a big deal? 
yes, I, I think it is a big deal. And I, it, it, unless I missed something today, I'm not sure if he's actually made an official announcement on that. Um, but I think the general sense is that he will come no, back. No, it's official. It, it's, it's, it is? Yep. Okay. So, but, yeah, no, that is a big deal for them because I think one of the more under – undersold aspects of Ole Miss's rebuild next year is going to be that offensive line. And it's not just Greg Little. I mean, Sean Rawlings was crucial to that team, you know, in anchoring that offensive line. And, you know, it, 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 it's the main thing that is going to hurt is depth. Like, where do you go? You know, how do you get to, like, eight or nine deep like they were last year? And, and what do you do at left tackle? A place that's kind of been secure for Ole Miss for a couple of, of I mean, not almost a decade now, really, when you look back at it. I mean, do they move Givens over there? How does that work? I, you know, that'll be interesting. But that, that to me, is the most undersold aspect of what Ole Miss is, you know, some of the challenges they're facing next year because they lose a lot on that offensive line and they lose really good players and really, really crucial pieces. There's no real forward movement on the Ole Miss offensive coordinator search. Nothing, at least from a from an official capacity, haven't seen anything about guys that have been interviewing. It's kind of slowed down. So I don't mean to, to ask you to speculate, but I'm going to ask you to speculate. Do you have any idea what kind of offense Matt Luke wants to run? Because I have a, a very strong feeling it's not going to be chasing space offense. Yeah, I think it's... I think it's going. I think he would prefer kind of more of an emphasis on kind of a downhill run game, and not necessarily a pro style offense. Not go that far, but something that that's less air rated than than how Ole Miss has looked. Not only under Longo, but a little bit before that. I think he would prefer to be a little more. You know, he always talks about physical and and, and mentality and blue collar and all those things. And, and you know, some of that's cliche, but I think he would kind of prefer a more physical kind of in between the tackles running game and put a little more emphasis on that. You know, it's kind of ironic because Ole Miss did really run the ball well in that offense um, with, with Scotty Phillips this year, but I think it's a different style running. I think he'd like to, to lean heavier on that, and it kind of makes sense, right, when you have a new quarterback coming in. So he's got a lot of different options, and I think that's why you're seeing a lot of these NFL names surface as guys who've been it up because of the reason that he wants to or not want that's part of the reason he he is waiting at because he wants to talk to some of these NFL guys and I think you're going to see you know closer to a shade of a more NFL like offense than you know as opposed to Longo kind of on the other end of the spectrum if that makes sense. And you got the final well I say the final but the last non conference basketball game ahead of SEC play with Florida Gulf Coast but Dunk City or whatever they were is uh, long gone for that team right. Yeah, they they struggled a little bit this year. They're five and nine. They played a tough schedule though. They played Florida. They played Michigan State. Um, you know, I, I don't know what uh, UMBC brings back this year after that upset, but they they played them. So they played some good competition, some good teams. But yeah, they've they've certainly struggled. Uh, and and the, the Dunk City days are long gone. That was a fun team to watch though for that that week and a half of the tournament. That was that was a cool story. How long ago was that? Do you remember? Like Twenty fifteen, right? Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, I believe it was the 2013 tournament because oh, wow. I believe I was a senior in high school and that happened. I could be completely making that up, but something tells me that that is correct. Goes to show in basketball, all you need to do is be good for nine days. Play two really good games in March in college basketball, and you have a brand for years. Yeah, Kermit George Davis Mason is a testament to that, if anything. Yeah, George Mason and uh, you know. To a lesser extent, you know, look at Shaka Smart. I mean, 
Yep, Loyola couple, Chicago. Couple good weekends in the tournament. Now he's now he's the head coach at Texas, where they've done basically nothing since he got there. So, and Texas's old coach now has one of the elite teams in college basketball at Tennessee. It's, it's funny how life works. It's amazing, Rippy. What do you, what, Rippy, what do you think about that team going into SEC play? Do you, do you feel like they're they're battle ready that they can? You know, I, I don't know. If it, is finishing in the top half a realistic goal for this Ole Miss team? Uh, you know, if you had asked me that three weeks ago, I would have probably said no, or even at the beginning of the season. But you know, top half, I, I see them maybe. I don't. I, top half maybe a little bit ambitious. I, I'm thinking maybe you know eight to ten range is certainly possible. They're interesting, man. They have three veteran guards that can fill it up, and they have two kind of guys that can play really anywhere on the court in in Buffett and Henson. It's just their post play is going to tell the tale. If they can get consistent play on the post, they'll do better than most people expect in conference play. And if they don't, I think they're going to struggle. But they're they're intriguing, and they're certainly ahead of schedule. I don't think most people think they'd be sitting at 10-2 up in the conference play. That's Brian Scott Rippey on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Rippey, have a good weekend, and we'll talk to you uh, on Monday. Sounds good, guys. Y'all have a good one. Again, that's the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Four o'clock hour off and running on a Friday afternoon. It's Sports Talk Mississippi streaming live at supertalk.fm. Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon. Posted the question on Twitter, and if you don't follow us, you should, at Sports Talk Miss. And you can text us as well, 601-879-4395. That's the ceasefire text line. Text us with your reaction here. The ballots for the 2019 Hall of Fame induction for Major League Baseball have been sent out, and therefore we're getting uh, pictures and screen grabs and stuff of certain baseball writers that have filled out their ballots, and that has caused a debate. Do you think, this is the question, do you think that a player that has been accused, suspected, or comes from the steroid era should be inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame if their career warrants such an induction. For example, on the ballot this year, you've got guys like Lance Berkman, Roy Halladay, Mike Mussina, Kurt Schilling, Mariano Rivera, but also you've got Barry Bonds. You've got Sammy Sosa. Should those players be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. The guys that either have been suspected or connected to in one way or another, steroids in baseball. Let us know what you think. 601-879-4395 or tweet us at Sports Talk Miss. Lead off with you. Hey, Dad. Yeah, like we said in the the first part of the show, I I think they they belong in. No question about it. You know, I, I... Baseball can do a good job of telling the story of that era of baseball. They they can they can explain the history of what happened then. That this is what was going on, and you know it was it was rampant and it was unchecked, and and you know baseball had to reform the way it played to do it uh, to to fix it. But at the same time, these were the best players of that time. They they belong in. You can't just erase history like that. You know that you can't just say. You just can't pretend it didn't happen. It happened. You know, Barry Bonds hit home runs. Roger Clemens struck people out. And and those those guys need to have their, their time in the Hall of Fame. Every time this gets brought up, I know the Hall of Fame isn't about entertainment. 
But when was baseball at its best? In recent oh, history, when has baseball been at its best? During when, the steroid era. When two big guys that were clearly, allegedly, using performance-enhancing drugs were chasing home run records. That was when Major League Baseball was at the height of attendance, was at the height of viewership, and was the most fun to watch. I'm okay with steroids in baseball. So you're 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 okay beyond just beyond letting, uh, letting them in the Hall of Fame. I like if they want to juice up, get after it. Give them a, a set list of drugs that they can use. That is FDA approved. That is cleared, and that they won't kill themselves if they use it. If that's what they want to do, that's fine. Because it makes the game more fun. And at the end of the day, we're all just consumers of the sport. None of us listening play the game. We're not getting cheated. None of us are. Because we're not playing. Well, I mean, you can make the argument then that, you know, if if they're legal, then nobody's getting cheated. If you choose not to do them, that's on you to make that choice. You know, it's like saying, you know, well, I choose not to throw the cutter. I mean, that's on you. It's a good strikeout pitch. Or in basketball now, I choose not to have a bunch of shooters on my team. We want right. to we want to have a, a seven-foot-tall center that's not athletic, that doesn't have a jump shot, and we want to build our team around him and not a great jump shooter. Right. We get uh, a no here on the text line. Tim and McGee says, absolutely. When Mark McGuire and Sosa were in the home run contest, that was great. And we, we get another text from Gary Meridian that says baseball was at its best when you remember it. Well, I remember baseball right now. It's not fun for me. It's not entertaining for me right now. I know a lot of you are going to disagree with that. But baseball during that time, the steroid era, McGuire and Sosa in bonds, that's when Major League Baseball was at its best. It was the most entertaining. It was finally must-watch TV. The best players in baseball right now are not must-watch TV for your average sports fan. Steph Curry is much must-watch TV for your average sports fan. Yeah, I agree with that. Mike Trout is not. Bryce Harper is not. It doesn't help Mike Trout's case that he plays for a team that nobody knows about. Yeah, certainly he gets buried there. and I, I, Bryce I have Harper never, will I have, be a cub. I don't know that I've ever watched him. I don't know that I've ever watched Mike Trout play nine, in, nine innings of baseball. I've never just sat down and been like, oh, the Angels are on. i got to watch Mike Trout. Billy in Ocean Springs says, yeah, we're talking about records, but the record holders were not on PEDs when they made those records. Text from the 601 C-Ray says, I agree, let them use whatever. They know the risk. We're all here to get entertained, right? Entertain me. I, I don't need... It doesn't make me feel better to watch a guy that's clean hit a home run. I don't really care. I want to see a big guy hit bombs. That's entertaining to me. Yeah. When I'm watching football, I want to see the fastest guy catch go routes. I want to see a a 6'7", 285-pound defensive end track down a quarterback from behind. That's... I don't care how they get to that point, but when they're at that point is when the sport is most fun, in my opinion. David says you have to make plays, you have to execute. I mean, you can you can be the biggest guy on the field all day long, but you're right, you still have to hit. It's not like we can just pick bodybuilders who've been juicing for years and say they're going to become 300 hitters by just going out. Steroids, that doesn't, 
the, the, the natural talent you need to have to play baseball isn't really enhanced by steroids. I agree with I, I'm trying to remember see who it was, but it, it's a, it's about you know muscle recovery, getting back from injury, being able to play 162 games. That's what steroids did for those people. Another and, text that says steroids don't improve eye hand coordination. Let them they in. don't. Again, Barry Bonds before he even started with steroids was one of the best hitters in baseball, if not the best hitter. You know, it just it just allowed him to prolong his career. Richard and Wiggins so. says low doses make it legal. Lee and Laurel, the steroid era saved baseball coming out of a strike in 1994. I agree with that. A- another statement still have to have the talent and the eye hand coordination even with PEDs. Doesn't matter how big you are if you aren't good. Right. Barry Bonds, as you mentioned at the top of the show, Barry Bonds was a great baseball player before he bulked up. Yeah, I can't just start popping steroids today and then tomorrow I'll be getting clean up for the Giants. Gary Meridian asks, I'm okay with baseball. What about football? Mark Ingram failed a performance-enhancing drug test, and I was counting down the days to get him back on the field. I did not care at all. Yeah. Maybe that's apples to oranges, but I didn't care. I at the end of the day, these guys are sort of they're our gladiators, man. You know, did did the ancient Romans really care if the the steroid if the gladiators were juicing up before they went out there and fought the lion? Nobody cared. It's just it's entertainment. So you know, allow me allow me the most most I can get from my entertainment dollar. Paul brings these in guys. A, they know the risks, like they said. Yeah. Paul brings a different perspective. How much of this conversation is influenced by how old we were when we paid attention to baseball? We might all think of those days as the glory days. Maybe so. I mean, there are people that, especially sports media, that cover college football that think Nebraska still should be one of the best programs in the country yeah, because they yeah. remember Nebraska as being that when they were kids. I think this is a little you got to be able to though. evolve. you got to be able to move forward. You know, you gotta, you got to be able to look at, at you know, so much of uh, of what we do nowadays, the greatest thing that ever happened is the thing that happened five minutes ago. You know, you got to be able to have some perspective and, and things like that. But yeah, I agree with you. You know, but I grew up in, in the '80s watching baseball, and I thought baseball was was great. You know, I loved '80s baseball, I loved '90s baseball. But then when the strike happened, you know, I, I did. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I sort of got away from baseball a little bit. And and what pulled me back in was McGuire and Sosa, and you know, Bonds playing for the Giants, which was my favorite team, hitting hitting bombs. And I wanted to see that. So, Tyler and Brandon says it improves concentration. I, I will tell you this. I've talked to a few minor league baseball players, and maybe their experiences are different than everybody's, but in their eyes, getting their hands on Adderall, the, the study drugs, as people called them in college, were yeah. more important to them than bulking up because, like yeah. he said, it improves concentration. Improves so a focus, lot of these yeah. guys would go get prescribed, even though they probably didn't need it, to help in that regard, they talk about uh, Sudafed. Like people would take a lot of Sudafed because it you know clears out the sinuses. It keeps you keeps you alert. Back in the day, so, Gary I mean, Meridian chimes in again and says, "If you let these guys take steroids, is the implied statement." He says, "What does the league do thirty years after the players retire and have all kinds of physical and men- well, mental issues?" That's a union thing. They have to put it into the contracts, like. You take these performance-enhancing drugs, the league is not liable for anything that happens. That's on you. That's something you'd have to work out with the players' union. A lot of texts coming in. Keep them coming. 601-879-4395. Do you think that steroid-era baseball players belong in the Hall of Fame? 
Extended question could be, do you think that baseball should lighten their restrictions on performance-enhancing drugs? We'll get to more of those uh, texts and tweets and all that stuff next. It's Sports Talk on a Friday in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Loving the engagement we're getting on a Friday before New Year's. Appreciate all of you listening and interacting with us this afternoon. It's Sports Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad with you. Richard Cross is off today. He'll be back Monday. Getting you ready. Well, we'll, we will react to the college football playoff results that happen tomorrow and get you geared up for Mississippi State and Iowa. Hey, Dad, we'll actually be in Florida. I guess you leave, is it Saturday or Sunday? I'm leaving. uh, I'm flying out on Sunday. And you will. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and I'm leaving on Wednesday. And he'll have all the coverage. Supertalk.fm slash sports. Yeah, I guess I'll be. I won't be on the there. show Wednesday because my flight is uh, at four Eastern time, and then I land in Birmingham at four Central time, and then I got to get home. So, no, 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 hate that on Wednesday. I'm getting a day off. Day off. <laughs> so uh, we will have all that coverage for you. But the conversation right now, we'll continue on with this uh, and text us six zero one eight seven nine forty three ninety five. As a lot of you have, that's the ceasefire text line. Ceasefire does remind you, please be safe while you're doing it. Don't text and drive. Uh, should steroid-era baseball players be inducted into the Hall of Fame? The ballots uh, are out. The Baseball Writers Association of America is individually, if they want to, releasing their ballots. And some guys, for example, I'm looking at one right now that has Barry Bonds as he's voting him into the Hall of Fame, but is not voting Sammy Sosa into the Hall of Fame for whatever reason. Um, so a lot of mixed emotions here, and clearly based but I can't, on. Go ahead. I can't really. I mean, you look at his his ballot. Sosa not getting in. I mean, it, it he just doesn't have him in. I would have. I mean, just looking at this guy's ballot, Fred McGriff would be into me over maybe over Roy Halladay or definitely over maybe over Scott Rowland. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot of issues. I, I would put Andy Pettit in. That's just me. I don't know. Philip and Stark. Dale Murphy says, not being in. I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a, a snub if there ever was one. They can only pick ten. They give a list. I'm not going to count here. They give a list of significantly more than ten. Um, each voter can only pick up to ten, but they don't have to go to ten if they do not want to. Um, most all of them make their ballots public. So here, to, I think it's three weeks. Uh, yeah. We will know. We'll have more clarity on who voted how. But uh, this Did is you, a uh... a controversial year in that regard. Did you see this guy? I, I need to find this article. I saw it the other day. I was talking with the – we were in the media room, so I was talking with Joel Coleman and Logan Lowry, who are the big baseball guys on the MSU beat. And this guy said that he would never vote for Mariano Rivera to go to the Hall of Fame because he doesn't believe in closers. He he, he thinks that that's, it's, it's not a position worthy of the Hall of Fame. Oh, man. I mean, Mariano Rivera. Guy closed out more big games than anybody in history. I mean, sports writers just so Especially baseball Hall of Fame guys. These are the same people who can't be a, they can't be bothered to unanimously vote guys like Tony Gwynn and Cal Ripken and Greg Maddox into the first ballot. They got to have these dissenters. Well, Babe Ruth didn't get in on the first ballot. So, but not, not taking into account how different things were back then. It's just, it's so sanctimonious. It, this, you know, when people complain about sports writers being, you know, elitist in some way these these are the guys we're talking about <laughs> you're exactly right they make us all look bad too 
Philip and Starkville says, Sosa, Bonds, McGuire, Palmero all had talent, roids or not, put them in. George in West Point says, well, he wants Pete Rose to get in. He says it was his favorite baseball player, and he was so much fun to watch. He was a must-watch player. If there's no proof that he bet against his team, he needs to be inducted in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Tyler and Brandon has a a different take on it. He says this is also a conversation about whether they should be celebrated by being enshrined in Cooperstown when they emphasize voluntarily took the banned substances. He wants to celebrate the players who are good enough and confident enough to do it without the banned substances. And and you're certainly not alone in this regard, although Hey Dad and I think that they should be in. There are a lot of, of baseball writers and voters that will never put a guy that was connected with steroids on their ballot. They will never yeah. do it, and so you're certainly not alone there. I don't, I don't yeah, I mean... This is this is you know one of those topics. People are going to be very passionate about it Absolutely. on either side. You know, if you believe they should be in, you really believe it. If you don't, then you will fight tooth and nail to to never let those guys in. Get a text from the six six two that said Bonds was a great hitter at the end, but he couldn't run and lost the NLCS because he couldn't run ten feet to catch a fly ball. Yeah. You're right. Lance in Grand Bay says, as a huge baseball fan, he believes there's no place in the Hall of Fame for any player who breaks the rules such as steroids or gambling on baseball. McGuire and Bonds and Sosa and all the other players who broke records have no place in the Hall of Fame any more than Pete Rose does, according to him. He said, these men all knew the consequences of their actions. They broke the rules, and they should suffer those consequences. The spitball is illegal, right? Isn't it? It's not illegal. It's it's illegal to spit on the ball. Yeah, and throw give it. any kind of a foreign. Yeah, Gaylord substance. Perry's in the Hall of Fame, isn't he? Ooh. I mean, baseball players have been breaking rules since every sport has been breaking rules since the the dawn of time. Stealing signs and 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 everything else. I mean, it's just it's part of the game. People are going to do whatever they whatever edge you can get. They're going to take it to the line, and sometimes people are going to go past the line. John in Starkville says, if you let those guys in, you got to let Pete Rose in. When the big red machine was rolling and the Red Sox were rocking as well, that's when baseball was great. And that's kind of where my line of thinking is on it. I, I, don't, I don't write baseball. I'm admittedly not a devout Major League Baseball fan. I don't have a team. I'll watch it when it's on, but I, I am not a seam head by any means. But I attribute the greatest modern era time in professional baseball as the time when Sosa and McGuire and Bonds were hitting home runs. They were must-watch TV. It was legendary at that time. And right now, baseball has none of that buzz. It does not exist because they got the steroids out of the game. Or at least they made people afraid of it. Or maybe it's maybe it's because that you know, you had the strike, and then you had steroids, and then people people just maybe just got fed up with baseball. And it's like you know what these guys, you can't trust them for anything. You can't trust the owners. You can't trust the players. I'm just going to stop watching. John in Greenville does make a good point. He says, "So these drugs are legal. What does it say to young athletes? It does. Yeah, I, it does send a message to young athletes that you have to alter your body in order to play well. But they're already altering their body in order to play well. Yeah. And the thing is, young athletes." You're not going to be Barry Bonds, steroids or not. You're not going to be LeBron James. You're not going to be yeah. Steph Curry, even. It's the likelihood. And the ones that are, the ones that are going to be the next Bonds and LeBron and those guys, they're going to be without steroids. 
because that's just they're just born with that natural talent. They're just blessed with it. Dan in Charleston adds another layer. He says, sure, they belong, but Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams didn't need PEDs. Yeah, those guys smoke cigarettes and drink whiskey before games. Um, Let's get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Baseball would be Let's a lot more up. fun if, if <laughs> they were drinking some bourbon before who, they walked on the, the field. Who is the MLB player most likely to get tanked mid-game right now? Well, it depends on if he's Madison Bumgarner. Now, nah, I've already got it. Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> I could totally see him with like a little flask out there on the mound, just taking sips of Carolina of Carolina moonshine between uh, between pitches. Billy in Ocean Springs also agrees. Go ahead and put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. He deserves. Pete Rose should be a Hall of Famer. Nobody is gonna. I'm not. You're not gonna get Brian Haydad to argue that one. I promise you. Brian in Clarksdale says to just to put an asterisk next to their name. Put him in but have a, a note of some kind that says these guys were connected to banned substances during their playing days. Uh, give it a wing. A wing of the Hall of Fame, the steroid era. I mean, it's just, it's just not, it's not that hard. And Tyler and Brandon adds one final point. He wants to raise his children. He's got a young boy, he says, and... Uh, one to be born in April as well. Congratulations. Hope everything goes well with that. That's really exciting for you. Uh, he wants them to be raised in a world where cheaters aren't celebrated. Fair enough. Um, I mean, that's very fair, but at the same time, I mean, look at the Patriots. You know, cheating in sports has been going on as long as there is sports. There's, 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 no, there's no getting around that. It's, it, is, it is literally that simple. So, I mean, you can say that, and, you know, I applaud the sentiment, but it makes it difficult to be a sports fan. Sports is like sausage, man. I don't want to see what goes into it. I just want the end result. Me either. And the NFL, for a long time, was able to skirt the head injury concussion issue because people didn't really care. Right. I, I mean, still to this day, this may be bad to say, I want to see a wide receiver go over the middle and get smoked by a safety. Yeah. You go over the middle and the quarterback throws you high? Sorry, that's part of the game, bud. Yeah, it was. It was at one time. Not so much anymore. A lot of good conversation from you guys today. We appreciate you listening and hanging on on this Friday afternoon right before New Year's. I know based on the parking lots that I drove by on the way to work this morning, not a lot of you are at work today. But if you are, we're glad you're tuning in to us. More coming up. 601-879-4395 Text the show on the ceasefire text line We'll get to more of those next Turn the page to some NFL playoff implications What is on the line this weekend? We'll tell you next It's Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio Back on Sports Talk, Mississippi, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad with you this afternoon. A little side note here, Hootie and the Blowfish is going back on tour in 2019. I saw that, yeah. It's exciting times, but back to the conversation we were having about steroids and baseball and should they be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Lance and Grand Bay disagree. I, I like guys like Lance because this is what... The, the kind of feedback that, that we can receive and, and that I really like because he disagrees with us wholeheartedly. I mean, he sent us a few texts during this debate and each one is disagreeing with us entirely, but he's doing so 
in a calm and like respectful fashion, and it's really fun to go back and forth with that somebody like this. That is not how Sports Talk Radio is supposed to go. <laughs> it's not how it's supposed to go, but it's going that By way. By God, you need to call us a bunch of idiots <laughs> and tell us and insult our mothers. How else are we going to get ratings on this show? <laughs> so we do thank you for that, Lance, and glad you're hanging on with us despite disagreeing. We need more people like you uh, listening and engaging with us on this show. He, he asks us to consider situations in which a player has been diagnosed with cancer or talking about roid rage affecting the safety of their families and things like that. Those are all very serious things and shouldn't be taken lightly. I, from a, In a general sense, because he says it doesn't matter if these things happen after their career, as long as we get to enjoy the show, what's the big deal? Yeah. And... Well, sort of what I was just talking about with the whole gladiator thing is right. Everybody wants to watch the games, and then when the guys go home, they just, nobody cares. You know, it's like concussions. I mean, at the end of the day, when you look at concussions, did back in the '60s, '70s, '80s, when nobody cared about it, I mean, did did people really think that constantly hitting people in the head was a good idea at some point? No, you had to assume there was going to be a repercussion of that somewhere, right? And unfortunately, we're seeing the end of that right now. Real quick though, because people keep bringing up cheating. From the 662, in the 90s, it wasn't until 2005 that steroids were illegal in baseball. Is that a real, is that true? I mean, that's what it says. All right, somebody called us a bunch of idiots. Now we're cooking. There we go. Thank you for that. But uh, Lance, to your point, and I was I was a little insensitive when I said, you know, I want to see a wide receiver go over the middle, and if his quarterback throws him high, I want to see him get hit. As long as... The players understand the risk involved. I will enjoy what they're doing, no matter how dangerous it is. I watch UFC fighting occasionally. There's no possible way having a guy grab the back of your head and pound it against his knee until you are knocked unconscious is good for you in the long term. But as long as they understand that and and are aware of the inherent risk of doing what they do at that level, I am okay with it and I'm entertained by it. I I didn't play a high level of football. I I played high school football in 4A, which is the biggest level in South Carolina. I broke my neck, a bone in my neck, my C6, my the the last game of my junior year. I was talking to a, a doctor I mean, a spine doctor about surgery on my neck. I mean, I was laying on a spine board for hours. I, I've i been there. But a few months later, after I was healed, I, I went back and played again my senior year. I'm one of those people that parents point to. That's why my kid doesn't play football. I don't want him to because look at how close you were to permanently damaging your body. But I knew the risk going into it. And I loved the game of football. And I would do it all over again. You can break my neck again. And I, I would have gone and played again. So I feel the same way about athletes, UCF fighting, baseball, football, as long as they understand the risks and they know what could come later on in life, I I am okay being happily entertained by it. Yeah. I don't disagree with you on that. Richard and Wiggins says, his radio has been stuck on this station for two years, been meaning to get another one, but I'm a procrastinator. We thank you for... uh, for being a part of of this company for two years, Richard. John Starkville says, One last point about baseball. When he was growing up in the 60s and 70s, players stayed with the same team for decades, which created a great fan base for that particular team. An example, 
Dwight Evans played right field for the Red Sox for 16 years. That does not happen in today's world. You're exactly not right. Very, very rarely. Especially in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, you have... Oh, they jump team to team so, so often. you got guys who finish their career playing for 10, 12 teams sometimes. And fans become fans of players instead of teams. Yes. When the Cavaliers... the Cleveland Shaq was Caval- like the first one yeah. for that. When the Cleveland Cavaliers went to New Orleans, yeah. there were LeBron jerseys everywhere. When the Golden State Warriors go to New Orleans, there are Steph yeah. Curry jerseys everywhere. I promise you none of those people are from Oakland or Cleveland, Ohio. Well, I mean, and now if the, when the Cleveland comes to New Orleans, there won't be any Cavalier fans there. Oh, no. None. Zero. They all have somehow disappeared from the New yeah. Orleans metro area. Uh, so what I'm looking at real quick, it says that steroids were banned in 91, but they didn't test for them until 03. Okay. So it was sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing going on there with with MLB, it looks like. Philip and Starkville says, put an asterisk by their name and move on. People need to get over it, he says. If someone thinks some owner or manager or team doctor didn't encourage them to use them to heal and get stronger, you are blind in the sports world. I, I, it happens everywhere. I have talked yeah. to people that said that it has happened in their Division Two football locker rooms. Maybe it's not widespread, but I know somebody who played Division Two football that had a teammate that was doing performance-enhancing drugs. I'm serious. It's not limited just to five guys who play really good baseball. doesn't make it right, but it is, it is a widespread issue. I agree. Michael Jackson said steroids do help increase muscle mass. Before Bond started using them, he averaged about 20 to 25 home runs a year. Mantle, Mays, Aaron, and Ruth could have all hit maybe 80 home runs had they used them. Fair enough. We finally got, yeah, finally got you bunch of idiots. We appreciate there that. There it is. Gary Meridian says liability is a very delicate issue and cannot be limited by contracts or player union negotiations as long as there are trial lawyers. Everybody loves that, a good lawyer, right? I mean, you, you, everybody can find a reason to sue, but you can definitely protect yourself as much as you can, I think. You know, I think, I think that can be the case. State fan know. 346 tweets at us and said, only after Shoeless Joe and Pete Rose make the Hall of Fame. The Shoeless Joe thing is... Should be in. Should be in. The the best man in my wedding, my best friend for life, is his name is Joe Jackson. He's a direct descendant of Shoeless Joe Jackson. And the did Hall he wear of shoes fa- to your wedding? He did. Uh, Very good. I think my wife would have, would have killed him if he didn't. But, um, hey, man, I would have played it up. They have constantly received calls from the Hall of Fame asking for certain things from Shoeless Joe. His World Series ring, his gloves, bats, all the stuff that they have hidden in a safe... So they like, want the stuff that he... That they he, want they don't the want to stuff let him that in. he used, but they don't want him in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I assume the family is like, that's a no-go? The answer is always no. I am 100% with the family on that one. And uh, 100%. The, the city of, of Greenville, South Carolina, where he played textile mill ball before he went pro and, and played real professional baseball uh they built a shoeless joe museum uh, right next yeah. to the minor league park in downtown greenville so now he's got a he's in a hall of fame it's just his own hey if, if we'll build our own hall of fame there you go jonathan uh tweets at us and says believing peds are not in professional sports is like believing college recruiting is on the up and up that is a true statement. <laughs> that is a thing that is true to steal from my podcast there. You still will <laughs> always have the PED and recruiting truthers, though. They will forever exist. Oh, yeah. 
100%, because nobody, wa- nobody wants to believe that their team and their favorite players are dirty or cheating. I mean, nobody wants to believe that. So, Because at the end of the day, athletes aren't role models. They can be, but just because somebody is good at a sport does not mean that they are somebody you should look up to. Right. Find somebody that's good at the sport that also, like Benjamin Watson, who... Uh, announced his retirement at the end of this season. The Saints tight end won a Super Bowl in New England. That's a guy you look up to who happens to be an athlete. But don't just look up to somebody because they're good at sports. Do so because they're a good person who happens to be good at sports, like Benjamin Watson. Yeah. I agree with that. I was lucky when I was a kid. My dad let me know early, not in a mean way, but just, hey, you need to do your homework because guess what? You're not going to play quarterback in the NFL. I was taught at a young age that that it's not going to happen, pal. Study, go to college, make good grades. Work hard, but come on, son. <laughs> what does Mr. Borky do? What is What is what, what was his career? He is... Um, Right now, he is in fleet tracking. Okay, but what worked for sure. for Michelin North America it still works for Michelin. They just they bought a, a company anyway. He he's worked for Michelin, and that's why we were in Greenville for a couple decades. Well, there you go. It's worked for him. I I mean, I guess it's working for me. I, I would like to think most of you guys at least partially enjoy what I do here. Partially. And if you want to text us and say otherwise, don't. I'm in a good mood on this Friday afternoon. Just, just text me and make sure that I see them and I'll know. I promised you playoff scenarios. We'll get to those in the next hour. Drew Brees' fate, at least on Sunday, has been decided. We'll get into that next. We really appreciate uh, all of the engagement we got from this conversation. Shockingly respectful. I shouldn't say that. Our listeners are great. You guys are great. If this were in any other state, probably would have gone differently, but we're glad it went the way it did. Thank you for being a part of the show and continuing to do so. We'll talk Drew Brees and what he's going to be doing on Sunday next. It's Sports Talk in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Putting a bow on the baseball conversation, one final text here on that note. Tyler from Brandon, who's been with us throughout, also disagrees with us, by the way. Says baseball's a gentleman's game. Of course, we'd be respectful. Also, only 98 days until opening day of Major League Baseball, and I didn't realize it was this close. He says 49 days until yeah. the SEC boys take the diamond. I did That's not right. know that it was that soon. It's 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 creeping up on us real fast, real fast. I can't imagine a year with more expectations levied on Ole Miss and State than ever before. I mean, there is always high-level expectations, but you've got Ole Miss fans, and understandably so, that are, this is Omaha or bust. You have the number one recruiting class. They're all juniors now. You blew it in the post. They lost in the postseason to a team they, they shouldn't have lost it. to. You can they say it. it. They blew it. So the expectations are Omaha or bust almost. Yeah. And then Mississippi State coming off an Omaha run has a new coach. Brand new stadium. Talent. Place looks nice, by the way. Have you been up here to see the uh, the finished? It's almost the almost finished product. It's been a few months, but I saw it during last baseball season. I'm I'm saying this right now. I'm 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 saying let's make the trip. Everybody in Starkville for opening day for the start of that that new stadium. For that'd be a Friday show. Come on. I'm in.
I'm in Make 100%. it happen. Make it happen. In NFL news, this is something that we speculated about earlier on this week, and we finally have some clarity. It's not shocking to anybody, but the Saints have a game that is utterly meaningless on Sunday. The only thing that matters is coming out of it healthy, and therefore Drew Brees is not going to play. We speculated if he was going to play at all, how much, if he would get a, just a, a few reps in the first quarter. He's not going to play at all, it turns out. Teddy Bridgewater is going to start the game for the Saints and play against the Panthers on Sunday. My question is, if he performs well, what do you do if you're the Saints? Do you try to keep him and be Breeze's successor? Or if he shows that he's capable, do you use him as trade bait? Do they have, can they trade him? Isn't his contract up? His con- I, yeah, his contract is up. So they so can't trade him. They've either got to re-sign him or, or he's gone. him or, or he's gone. Uh, my, my guess is it's going to be difficult to keep him if he if he shows he can play. Even if he doesn't show he can play, he's going to want to put himself out there on the free agent market. I, I think it's going to be difficult to convince him to stick around because with Breeze, I mean, the way he's playing right now at this level, how many years are we talking about being the understudy? You know, two, three more years? This is his, this is Bridgewater's prime. This is his, you only get one. So my guess is no, that, that, that he will not be a Saint next year unless Breeze does the unthinkable and say wins the Super Bowl and says, I'm going out on top, let me get out now, and and, and moves on. I, I, I have trouble seeing Teddy Bridgewater in a New Orleans uniform next season. Which would be a shame because he would be a great predecessor to Drew Breeze if he's healthy and, and back to what he used to be. Yeah, oh, he would be. he would almost be the perfect guy. The perfect guy. And the it, locker room loves him. If, I mean, everything. If he had another year on his contract, it would have been a, a, such a, a fantastic thing. But the, the way it's set up, I mean, they're going to have to, unless they're going to say, look, you know, we're willing to pay you franchise, somehow pay him a ridiculous sum, you know, the highest paid backup in the league, making more starters. But they can't do that because of the salary cap and everything else and the money they have. You know, they're only a year or so away from having to give Lattimore a big payday, giving Kamara a big payday. Yep. I mean, Couple th- those years. days are coming. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to start thinking ahead like that. Luke and Flowood suggests that they should go get Nick Mullins. I am very fascinated with how they approach getting the next guy. Because they don't have the they draft haven't drafted to get the they next haven't dra- guy. And they haven't drafted him. You know, they, I thought at some point in the last five years they might have tried to go ahead and get that guy. But, you know... It's not Garrett, Taysom Hill Grayson either, by the way. Garrison, Grayson Garrett, or whatever his name, didn't really work out. Taysom Hill's not that guy. So, we'll see. I would like to see them trade for it or, or try to acquire a known commodity instead of going from Drew Brees to an... Un- and because of the, the current situation of your franchise, you're not getting a top 10 pick anytime soon. Right. So you're not going to be able to go get the hot commodity in college a, Unless football. there's just some some really deep draft class coming up. I mean, you look ahead to next year with what we just talked We talked about, you know, Herbert, Fromm, Tua, uh, Eason it, it will be eligible. Um, I'm just trying to think around, you know, obviously Joe Burrows. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they're just, they're, they're, you know, next year's sort of deep, but I mean, are you going to be, you know, or is there going to be a, a guy you feel is worthy of being the successor? Because I, I think next year the team should still be good. Very uh, good. Are they going to be, you know, somebody you can pick in the, the mid, late, you know, at best in the, the high 20s? I don't know. Yeah. That's something to keep an eye on for sure, is how they get the next guy. But for now, the backup is Teddy Bridgewater, and you will see him a lot on Sunday. Maybe he'll get 
a big contract that a guy like him, hopefully uh, he can get because he seems like a good one. And coming back from that kind of injury years later, getting a start in the NFL is pretty cool. So yeah. we'll keep an eye on that. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.